mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society can sometimes make us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline, and why am I so petrified by silence? And she's perverted like me, she'll even go down on you in a theatre. It's Janina Matthewson. Hi, baby. Hello. This is such an important piece of culture we're discussing today, but luckily we have form because the last time you were on this podcast, we talked about Titanic. Yeah. And I do think these two pieces of culture can form an entire teenage girl. Yeah, I think they can. But I do like how I'm establishing a pattern where I come on your trash podcast about trash things and talk about stuff that is universally acclaimed. And I tell you why <laughs> secretly it's actually trash and that you should love it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, part of me is, like, okay, I'm sure there have been a few, like, oh, teenage girl listening to Lannis Morissette, but, like, you know, time has shown that people have really acclaimed this album as a piece of great art, right? It's a weird situation, though, as well, because it was, I watched the documentary about it today. Oh, Jagged. Jagged. The one that she doesn't like. She doesn't like it? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, she doesn't like it. Interesting. (laughs) She participated, but then she saw it and she didn't like it. Interesting. Um... (laughs) I did crimes to get it, so I didn't reward the filmmakers, so I hope that that makes her happy. Um, I was really surprised by all the footage of her tour, of the Jagged Little Pill tour, by how many young girls there were in the audience. Like, mm-hmm. there were the proportion of teenage girls to the rest of the audience was high, which really surprised me, because this was my first, like, Janine listens to legitimate music. Really? Thing. Yeah, I had been listening to Hanson, and then... You wouldn't know came out and I listened to Alanis Morissette. Yeah. And that's when I started to have like, not that Hanson isn't legendary music, obviously everything is in quotation marks, but that was my first like, this music feels oh, grown yeah. up, this feels this like music author for adults. Music. Like, it felt like music that was aimed for everyone and that I just happened to be a 14 year old oh, girl listening yeah. to rather than music that was made for 14 year old girls. No, precisely. And I, I felt the same way, um, which is because like, there's a, how old were you when this came out? What was it, 95? 95, yeah. So I would have been 13. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. And so were you, was your love of it contemporaneous? Like, you, it was yes. on the radio, you loved it. Yeah. Janina in. So I got into this when I was 13, in 2003. Oh. Um, and I remember my sister, who uh, was an 80s baby as well, she was so confused because she got in on the Janina wave uh-huh. and she loved it and then put it away. And then to have her, like, 10 years younger, younger sister, be like... Wait, what? Like, you're getting into it at the exact same phase I am? It must. It, I think it was very strange for her to see that. Yeah. But it is just sort of perfect for that that sort of set of emotions that you're having between well, see, 13 and 15. This is the thing I didn't notice at the time because I thought I was listening to a grown woman do music and it wasn't until listening to it recently that I was like, she was 19 when she wrote this album. Yeah. It is... Almost entirely, not entirely, but a lot of it is about being a teenage girl and specifically being a teenage girl in the music industry, which she was because it was her third album. She'd been Mm. in the music industry since she was 11 or 12, I think. Yeah. And um, 
when you put that when you when you listen to it as a nigh on 40 year old woman and you hear these lyrics you're like oh this child this poor poor child having all of her teenage emotions and it's really interesting because i did not i honestly even in all of the decades since i have not i did not really understand how much this is about being a teenage girl it's amazing to me that like something that is a piece of art that is so incredibly universal and so beloved by so many generations of teenage girls now could have come from a human being that's so specific. Yeah. You know, like this is the weirdest comparison I've probably ever made on this podcast, but it reminds me of Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) It's the weirdest comparison anyone has made on any podcast. (laughs) But you know how it's like so many weird things had to go into the making of that person yeah. where it's like okay he grew up in Hawaii he had this Kenyan dad um, and, and these like liberal Hawaiian grandparents that he was raised with and then he like had some time with his sort of Kenyan family but then he went to Jakarta for a while and it was like such a weird specific amount of like influences adults role models went into creating a person who was then the leader of the free world do you know what I mean uh-huh. there has to be a very generic human being um, and then I think the same about Alanis <laughs> where it's like you look at her life story it's like okay your parents were intellectuals you were like had a record company when you were incredibly young yeah. um, by the time you were 14 you were signed and already dropped by your first record label I think she was dropped when she was 16 or oh, 17 16 or 17 yeah. okay sorry she was signed at 14 then she was dropped at 16 17 and, she, yeah. and back then she was doing like Stuff that looked like, okay, this is like supposed to be the white Janet Jackson or something. Like, yeah, it's weird. very... She actually gives Paula Abdul or Stacey... Paula Abdul, She, she yes. kind of gives Stacey Arico a little bit in her... <gasps> oh my God, we're shows. waiting on a Stacey Arico episode. God, I love True Stacey trash. <laughs> that I loved. There's gotta be more to life. What a banger. What a what banger um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah it's, and it, she was writing all her own material. Like she wrote all the songs, and they are extremely good for a song written by a fourteen-year-old or a fifteen-year-old. But they are also really generic love songs or generic breakup songs. Like there's nothing specific about them. Yeah, and then she started to get a little bit more grungy and a little bit more rocky and a little bit more raw and like personal, and that's why she got dropped because they didn't know how to market her. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny to me that because then, then she obviously she moves to L.A. Um, she meets her sort of collaborator, Glenn Ballard, who mm-hmm. I love that they just still they, they, like it's so rare that you get a heteronormative partnership that is utterly sexless where everyone <laughs> still just feels really well about each other. Yeah, it's nice when men and women can be friends. It's nice when men and women can be friends. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, and this thing, she moves to L.A., she meets him. And and comes out with this album that and like this is a person who's already been exposed to the adult world for like minimum six years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like has like is written this album that feels like it came from like a divorcee, right? But she's yeah. nineteen, which to me even now it's like I still can't believe how young she was. Yeah. She does feel like she's someone had like too much life experience. Well, I think she had. Like she talks about that uh, like I you know understand if she didn't like this documentary i found it very informative but she talks a lot about the experience of being in the music industry as a 15 year old she said in it that when she turned 15 it was like a button was switched like everyone thought it was a bit too weird to hit on a 14 year old a bit too weird to hit on a 13 year old but once she was 15 every man she was like at some point he's gonna cross that line it's inevitable and they all did and she talks about how 
there were no protections around her. So she was in the studio till three in the morning with all the sorts of people who do that sort of job where you're in the studio until three in the morning. And she was doing shows and, and filming videos in Paris and then going to Parisian nightclubs and having men yeah. ask her for blowjobs in the bathroom when she was like 15 years old. Oh, and no one was... Um, no one was protecting her from it. There's this really gorgeous moment in the documentary where she is talking to New Zealand broadcasting icon Paul Holmes. <laughs> I'm not familiar, but go on. <laughs> I trust you. All the Kiwis listening to. Of which there are song. many. <laughs> of which there are many. Um, she is doing an interview with him following the release of Jagged Little Pill. So he's like an adult grown man, and I don't know how old he was at that point, maybe late 30s, I would say. And she is 20 odd, like 2021, 20, and she makes some comment about um, how she's had all these, you know, bad relationships and, and harmful relationships and how painful they were. And um, she makes some comment about how, you know, she takes responsibility for them too. And he is like, well, no, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And he looks really panicky for a moment. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not saying it's my fault. I'm taking responsibility. And it's like, because she was too young to understand at that point that what he meant was like, this was not consensual because you were too yeah. young. Like, you oh. are currently too young to have had that many bad relationships with adults because you're 20. Yeah, there's no taking responsibility here. No. <sighs> yeah. Oh. That really breaks my heart. I can, I, I can see why he panicked. I'm really in the room. You really conjured that really well, Janina. <laughs> I'm really in the room of being like, you know, okay, someone who's been like an adult since they were 14, then at like age 20, being like, no, I have to take my responsibility. No, you know, you didn't then and you don't now. No, none of it was your fault. You were very taken advantage of. It's infuriating. I can't believe how level a person she is, even now still. Like, cause she has a podcast and I listen to it every now and then and she's yeah. just like... Just an oracle. Like, there's a reason she was cast as God in Dogma. Yeah, like, yeah. She's She has a great uh, small guest role in The Great North, which is an animated series on Disney+, Plus, which I love, mm-hmm. where she's, like, <laughs> one of the characters' imaginary friend in the sky. And she voices it, and it's amazing. And she's Good. Amazing. I love Alanis. Uh, let's go through all these songs, because they're all just so good. Oh, man. Wall-to-wall bangers. Wall-to-wall. Track one. Oh, I really want... <laughs> Strong fucking start, man. Oh my god. My sweater is on backwards and inside out. And you say how, appropriate. Here's my album. It starts with my sweater being on backwards and inside out. Oh. <sighs> it's so... And it's like, if there was ever a stronger symbol that this is for teenage girls. Yeah. I'm a I mess. you out. My sweater's on backwards and inside out. Oh, fuck me hard. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. It's so fuck man. Which apparently is based on she walked into the studio one day and, sw- and her... Like she'd yes. been she'd been locked in her room miserable for a few months and she came back to the studio wearing a sweater backwards and inside out. Yes. Yeah. And like I so I uh, I'm sure we probably listened to like some of the same sources and stories when researching this, but uh yeah, the Glenn Ballard tells that story about how she yeah. came back from this like long, cold Canadian Christmas and she came back and she was looking a bit wan and frail and, mm-hmm. and the jumper inside out and all that. And it's starting with this, but this whole song to me, it feels like a song about that relationship between the two of them. Yeah, there's a and what's nice about that is that there's a playfulness to it that isn't yeah. present in a lot of the other songs that are I think about relationships with all men. Yeah, like, which is nice. Like there's this whole thing of like they talk, they both talk very affectionately about that period where it was such an intense creative time of like 
in the, show up in the morning, talk about ideas, write some lyrics down, go for lunch for like three hours, come back, work until midnight, and then she would like rollerblade home. <laughs> it's just like that sounds so. And I, I, like, I obviously I've never been on last more set, but I I know those moments of intense creative. I'm sure you too. Yeah, intense creative partnership where the project is the only thing that exists. Yeah, and everything else is on hold for a while. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful, and it's so nice when you find someone who is so precisely on. And I mean, maybe that's what this is about. This is only like. Because this is what she's talking about in this song is I want someone who's on the same wavelength as me. All I yeah. all I really want is someone who understands what I'm trying to say. Someone to catch someone else to catch this drift, which is such a fucking great line. And like maybe that's it. Maybe that's what she's saying. It's like yeah, you. It's like, you're it's here. like I found Glenn. I it's found like, Glenn. I think how like like psychically lonely her life had been up to that point of just being like routinely molested by men and then like being so jaded at this point and like having been yeah. rejected as a songwriter rejected as an artist moving yeah. away from her home country and then just meeting someone who just wants to treat her yeah. like an artist and also rejected in that painful way where like she's she'd been writing competent but kind of wrote music and the moment she started to try and really say what she was feeling people were like nope to find someone who's like, oh yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the stuff. This is the stuff. And like, when we're talking about, fuck yeah, this is the stuff. Fucking track two. Oh, man. You wanna know? Like, a life-changing song. The world stopped. <laughs> one one time, my, my, so the, the copy of the CD that was in my house, my older sister bought it. And um, she put it on the day that she got it. And unfortunately, my dad chose that day to like, go up on the roof and clean out the gutters. That was such a sense memory for you. <laughs> and like, he had just stepped on the ladder to come back down when the word fuck was uttered in the song and he almost uh... fell off the roof <laughs> onto the patio because um, we were not the sort of girls that listened to music that had swearing in it. Oh my God. I, I remember having that moment so many times when in like, in the car with your parents and like, it being one of the seven CDs that's in the car or whatever and then <laughs> your parents are like, skipping, skipping. <laughs> But and because she's not even using fuck as a swear, she's talking about fucking. That's what the yeah. that's what the context is. So it's not just the f word. It's about sex. It's like I think what's so amazing about it is this thing. We we've talked about this before, but like, is she an an older version of me? Is she perverted like me? Which yeah. she down in your theater. This two things happening in that lyric that like makes comes together in something so beautiful both both the other woman and the willingness to go down somebody in a theater which is that like so much of the classic story about men and women and the women who are rejected is about oh someone is ditched for a younger version of themselves yeah. right that's the cliche but with this Alana story, it's like she's ditched for an older version of herself because, like, if she, she, she was a child, she was a child. There's no getting younger. There's no getting, <laughs> and it's so devastating as well because it's not only <laughs> has she been rejected, but she has been rejected despite being willing to do that. Is stuff. And yeah, the, and the question on that, which is like, did she is she perverted or did she go along with whatever the adult Sick. man she was sleeping with wanted? This is it. This is so much part of being like a promiscuous teenager, isn't it? It's so much part of that story of like, just, you have nothing. You have no sophistication or knowledge yeah. or freedom, really, because like there's like strict times of when you have to be home by and there's a certain amount of covering for the life you're leading. Yeah. Um, but what you do have is your sort of willingness and your lack of boundaries because no, you haven't built them yet. Yeah. You don't know what you're into yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then to have that sort of 
be left behind even though you were willing to do anything is just dev like that's so awful and like all she can throw back about it is like well if you're really willing to have ready to have a family i guess that she's good for that because i'm yeah. not good for that because i am a teenager it's a baby and like as well i just think the way last talks about this album is that she sees it as a permission giving album that it's like for so many people it gave them a tool with which to be angry with yeah which is why people are scared of it or I say scared of this album in the way that people who tell bad jokes are like homophobic. They might not seem scared, but they are. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Like people are scared of this album because of how rageful it can make people. Yeah, you so know? Want, it's, an, it's a way of sort of putting it at a, a distance so that it doesn't hurt you. But in that, like, and that was a, a, a thing in the reviews, all of which were written by men that just wondering why she is so angry. And I think about this a lot. I think about what society does, what the patriarchy does to rob women of the ability to productively express their anger yeah. because I can't express anger very well. I just cry and then people think I'm upset and I don't know yeah. how to say I'm not upset. I'm furious, but it's coming out and weeping because that's, that's what happens to me when I'm angry. And like, I think that, the, I think that there is a systemic thing there where we don't teach girls how to be angry and how to express it in a way that is productive. And she says of, of this song and of this album and her writing in general that it felt like the only way she she could express anger without being destructive. Because yes. we're not given the tools to do that. If What do women who can't, who are not artistic do with their rage? Like, they hurt we themselves at least and they starve it, themselves. Yeah. 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 Whereas men hurt things and, you know, yeah. baseball bats against sort of cars and things. Yeah. Like, yeah. but yeah, and then just to have that... <sighs> When I scratch my nails down someone else's back, I hope you feel it. Oh, do you feel it? Ah! Oh! The bit I lo love is that, I mean, I love this. I literally highlighted basically the whole song, but I love that. Does she know how you told me you'd hold me until you died, till you died? But you're still alive. Like, oh! that is the angriest lyric I have ever heard. It's just so that you're still alive. Good. And like, and it's, it gets something so real as well about like when you have been... Um, heartbroken or rejected or or even if you've both just moved on and like those those moments of like profound sexual shame where you're like mm -hmm. oh I did these things or I had these things done to me and I sort of assumed that it was going to be in a safe locker but it's not now and these things are just going to revisit me yeah you know yeah and so few breakup songs get to that, right? Yeah. The breakup songs count for like, what, 90% of the great American songbook? <laughs> but like, how much of it is like, I have to think about all these things I did forever. Yeah. And I have to think about them because I was stupid enough to believe that we were going to be together forever, but we're not, and you're still alive. Yeah. And I know that you still remember them too, and so they're still in your head, and I can't get rid of them from there either. No! Ah, it's so good! Oh my god. And like... Ugh, I wrote down facts about this song, but I don't think... I think this is going to be a fairly fact-light Yeah, who cares about facts? Oh, I, I've written down here, oh, Flea and Dave Navarro are on this, but I don't care. Who cares about <laughs> Flea and Dave Navarro? Remember there was a time in our society where it was important to care about Flea? The bassist <laughs> Flea. <laughs> what a great thing that that's passed. I, think, I do want to talk about the chorus because it's so, like... It's such a good chorus to scream. All of these songs are great to scream, but mm. like, because it's such a great chorus to scream, I feel like most of the time I don't actually think about how clear 
what she is expressing in it is. Like, just so you know, you mm. left a giant mess behind you when you walked away from me. And, like, that's... That exists, you know? That's just so yeah. big. And then the fact that she also carries on and is like, you are also dismissing the fact that I ha that I am a mess. You're dismissing how much damage you did to me. And that's also not right. And it's... It's just not so... Not right. <sighs> thing to talk about, isn't it? It's, it's like, too big to <laughs> Fuck me, Alanis. And sometimes I just zoom out to like we <laughs> what we're doing. It's like just just two millennials sweating on a midsummer evening, <laughs> drinking wine in a darkened bedroom, sighing about Alanis. Because it's like this is what I was doing when I was 13, just sitting <laughs> indoors with another girl, just going, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> this album exists to be the first experience of catharsis for women worldwide for all time. Yeah, and it's still raw. It still hits me. Oh, God. I'm going to make a note to give it to my niece as a gift when she turns 13. Oh, my God. A great shout. <laughs> a great, great shout. Um, track three is perfect. I don't have much to say about this one. Oh, I fucking love perfect. Okay, go on. Um, And it's another one that just, I think, just really hammers at home that this is an album by and about a child. Um... Because it is such a, it's kind of a typical cliche thing that, ex, that expectations that you bear up under as a teenager, whether they are actually placed on you by your parents mm. or whether they are your projection of what your parents yeah, implied expect. pressures. But like, oh, lines like, how long before you screw it up? Like, my God, walking around with that expectation is just, I just, you know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be very eloquent tonight because I'm just having too many emotions. No, it's, it's so good. I, I did read somewhere that this is uh, the first song that she wrote solo and that it was very early on in the process and yeah. sort of gave her this license to like, write not necessarily autobiographically, but like just yeah. sort of theoretically kind of thing, yeah. or philosophically about, about experiences. Yeah. And, and I don't want to speculate, obviously, about her relationship with her parents. I know that her dad did want to be in the entertainment industry, and I don't think was, but, like, I don't think that necessarily means that they treated her badly, but it is a very, I don't know, just a really yeah. evocative thing about living up to expectations that you can't control even if they're projections you still can't control them no exactly yeah this thing of the 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 overachiever kind of thing yeah Which i don't necessarily relate to were you like an overachiever as a kid oh no not at all and i still am not this yeah. is this is why this is why i'm still currently a professional mess <laughs> <laughs> but like, i often wonder about like these um these kids who like they not only are they like overachievers or, or they just like do very well in school and they're but mm. they also they project a kind of maturity yeah. which is not the same thing as precociousness it's like yeah. you know those kids who just seem like real good like yeah my, my older sister was a lot like this and like most of the time it was pretty chill and then every so often she wouldn't melt down over, I remember her doing a textiles project for art I think and she had presented it in this big lush book that she made from scratch and it was bound with like these giant blue ribbons and she couldn't get the ribbons to sit right and she just had a meltdown because it wasn't oh perfect God. and it was already like over and above what anyone else would do what definitely what I would do yeah I would write something up and print it out and be like here's a piece of paper with my oh, project totally. on it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was definitely just her like she she wanted to do stuff in that kind of way that wasn't coming from our parents at all. 
So maybe sometimes it's just like you were built to feel like that. Maybe it's an older child, oldest child thing too. Maybe. I don't know. I feel bad for those kids. I don't understand them, <sighs> I but know. I feel bad for them. <laughs> I feel like they're more successful than me, but I don't know. Are they happy? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not. Um, the Shack 4 is hand in my pocket. Oh, just a chill nice time. Just chill nice time. A real like... A real vibe song. Feels very 70s, this song. It feels very 70s. It feels like a song that like a company would cynically use to sell a sort of a hippie-ish adjacent product. Yeah. Like something that like an Urban Outfitters might use in an ad around that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I just love it. So good. And you can picture the Coca-Cola ad, you know, people with jeans yeah. like hanging taxis. And yes, it feels like an ad. Which is not, which is not, not a compliment. It is a compliment. It's a, just a chill vibes banger. And I am here for that. A great summer song. So I... Apparently, I, I dip my foot into TikTok every now and then just to see what the children are doing. Yeah. And they discovered the song, which I'm really pleased about because yeah. it means that a proportion of them will go on to have their last more set summer. I love watching the kids discover old music. It's so Every so often nice. I go to, down a YouTube rabbit hole of, of Gen Z listening to like Fleetwood Mac or something and it makes me so happy. I love when they discover it, but I hate when they call it underrated. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I love Gen Z. I, I spend time with them and I I really like them as a generation. However, they need to put the word underrated away just because they haven't heard of something does not mean it's underrated. It's very rated. It's very rated. <laughs> I do. I, I kind of, I can kind of, I can indulge that because I feel like everyone thinks they're the first person to discover anything. Mm. And I, I find it very funny. Like, have you heard of, I heard of this great play, Romeo and Juliet, do you know? Yeah. It's totally underrated. No one's talking about this. <laughs> I saw this one the other day that there was this kid talking about how uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Thoughtless Mind is the most underrated film they've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually perfectly rated. It's... I think everyone knows exactly how great that movie is. <laughs> yeah. It's very sweet. What else is on Hand in Pocket? I got one peace sign. It's a peace sign. There's a cigarette. There's a high five. Yeah. What are the verses again? Remind me. Um, Is it one of I'm poor, par- but I'm happy. Yes. I'm poor, but I'm kind. It's, I'm short, but I'm healthy. Yeah. It's a real good karaoke song, right? Yeah. It's like people can join in. The range isn't huge. Yeah. Like you can just really summon a vibe with that one, I think. It's total vibe. I did see someone, probably Genius Lyrics or somewhere, say that the line, I'm sick, but I'm pretty, is about... Um, her eating disorder, but um, which it, it might be, but I think it's a bummer, so I prefer to just think it's like, yeah, I've got a cold, but I look smoking hot. Because <laughs> why not? It's why good. not keep it a nice time if we can? <laughs> just a nice time banger. Yeah. Because the next one is not a nice time. The next one is excellent rage. Oh, great rage. Oh. Great music industry rage. Yeah, for Right Through You. Right Through You, um, I think this is a... A, a sort of a prelude to a song that's not on this album called Hands Clean. I love Hands Clean. That was the th- third or yeah, fourth it was un- album? Yeah, Under Rug Swept. I, yes. Not, I mean, third from this one because people treat this one like it's a de- debut album. Which I, I mean, I, is I thought it was her debut album until literally today. Well, so. the, yeah, the other two only ever came out in Canada and then they were squashed. Squashed. Deliberately when Jay Little Pill came out because they're like, we're rebranding her and we don't want these dance pop. Um, oh totally I've got my first adult novel coming out in the US next year Uh it's been called debut (laughs) I just came from nowhere (laughs) 
I've never written a book before. I I don't know how to read. Don't look at all these TikTok kids who already love all my books. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me with Right Through You and with Hands Clean how people had the audacity to seem surprised when Me Too happened. Yeah. When people have been saying this shit and saying this shit. Yeah. Which for a long time. Also, she said on the documentary, she was talking about how she told people when she was being, you know, when people were messing around with her when she was a kid, she told people and it made it awkward and they didn't want to hear it and they ignored her. And she, that's like literally what she said is people ask, why were you silent for 30 years? And she said, like, I wasn't, no one listened. And that's the difference. And I think it's one of those things I've thought about a lot with regards to Me Too that I think, and maybe I just do this so I can sleep at night, you know, but like I can get up in the morning. I think the Me Too, like the, the allegations that sparked the Me Too movement, they were not the first blow. They were like the last drip of water against the dam. Mm. And all of those other drips had to be there for that dam to break. Like if we hadn't been ignoring Bill Cosby's victims for so long where they continued to talk, if they hadn't yeah. talked and been ignored, their weight wouldn't have still been behind that. which is like fucking frustrating because we shouldn't have had to build up yeah. all of a, a reservoir of stories in order to get anything done. But I think all of those stories did count. I think it's the weight of decades and decades and decades of women being just not important enough to not be harassed or assaulted. I think that that's what like it was a massive tide that had been building for that year, those years and all of the stories are important. That is a much more optimistic way of seeing it, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. They were all important. It's, it's funny because like the, the, the thing of the casting couch has been around forever, right? Like people yeah. have been using that term forever and it's like, but it's always, it was always sort of spoken about it like oh yeah well if you're gonna be in Hollywood I guess you gotta be prepared for this and if you just sort of say no and stick to your guns you'll be all right eventually and the pure of heart will make it to the top was always the sort of vibe yeah and it was like a way of dismissing women not men because it was like oh she just was willing to yes exactly to indulge the casting couch in order to get a part and no one is ever like hey who had the power in that scenario like why did she feel like that was her only option it's Why did you nuts. feel like it was something that could get her success in the first place? It's nuts. It's fucking nuts. But like, this is an, an, yet another weird comparison. This is like the two glasses of wine podcast. <laughs> but like, I'm I'm learning to drive at the moment mm-hmm. and doing like my, doing like practice theory tests and stuff. And it's interesting to me that when you're in a car, because... You, like the right of way or the sort of right of anything is almost always the pedestrian or the cyclist, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's the person you have to yield to, it's the person you just slow down for, whatever. Yeah. Because you're the person with, with the power. With the power <laughs> yeah. to kill people. Yeah. And so therefore you must be mindful of those you may kill or hurt. Uh-huh. And it's so weird that the rules for driving this does not apply to the rest of society. <laughs> oh, that is so fucking true. <laughs> God. It's like no, the responsibility on the soft and and smaller to uh, to not get raped or killed. Yeah. Um, but but to go back to right through you, mm. uh, the bit that always gets me is the last verse, when she says, oh, "Scan scan your name in the, scan cr- the credits for your name." <laughs> Wonder why it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All these, because at that point I have had like so many people like have have their own little stake in your success. Yeah. Like if you've ever worked on a project, and I know you have, where like you're working with a big company or something Mm -hmm. and uh, you can tell everybody just wants to put their little stake in, not because it's a good idea, but because everyone wants to have been responsible for a bit. Yeah. But imagine that's your entire persona. Yeah. And human aspect. Yeah. And especially when it's like, People want to people want to look for a reason that you are successful, and they're not willing to say that it's just because you're fucking good. They've got to be like, oh, well, you had all of the support from these people, and it's like, well, yeah, yeah. but also, but also, I work really hard and I do good work. <sighs> and in the case of Alanis Morissette, is a creative genius. So she's a genius. Yeah. Oh my god, I bet she's one of those people who like has to sort of regularly explain to herself why she's doing music because her brain is so big and large. She could like, <laughs> she could like put it into something else and like cure a huge disease. Like yeah. monkeypox would not be an issue if Alanis was on it. <laughs> um, do we have anything else to say about Right Through You? Yeah, no, it's just angry about men and, and fuck yeah. Yeah, pleased about it. Yeah. Um, Forgiven. Forgiven is the Catholic song, which oh, I, I feel yeah. like the 90s were very obsessed with both Irishness and Catholicism and sometimes those two things intersected and sometimes they were separate. Like, the yeah. cause were just Irish. <laughs> Sinead O'Connor was Irish and Catholic. Exactly. Yes. Sinead O'Connor, Irish and Catholic. Oh, I was more just Catholic. It's <laughs> a very nice Venn diagram you made for us there. <laughs> we can all visualise that very clearly, I yeah. think. <laughs> it is weird. Like, I think there are good lines in this song, but I do think it feels like somebody who's just listening to a lot of Sinead. Right? I think that's fair. I love it. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's fair. I love it. <laughs> um, I think it was, it maybe was, for me as a, as a child when I was listening to this, the mm-hmm. first bit of writing, music writing that felt like educated. Like she talks about inquisitions. You know? Oh, she does, all right, yeah. Which is maybe why it's so important to me. And also growing up in the church and seeing someone talk about the church making them feel some kind of a way was is probably palpable, even though my experience growing up in the church, I don't think, was anything like Alanis's or... I mean, I wasn't Catholic, and I went to loud, progressive... Yeah, I say progressive. <laughs> comparatively, churches. But there are similarities, you know. Religion always makes you feel guilt. That line about no fun with that guilt with no guilt feelings. I remember the story going around my church when I was a teenager that like 
was passed down through people's older sisters of like the young women who had been who got married and then it was like a year before they could have sex without feeling guilty about it even oh though they were God. married and i was like this is horrifying that is horrifying <laughs> yeah um and i think the church just does that i don't think it can help it it's amazing to me that whole thing it's like yeah because i remember i made my first confession when i was six yeah that's cr- incredible incredible to me yeah. and i remember it's so you, clearly what can you possibly have to confess when you're six you're like i've acted like a child yeah i had a tantrum it's it's such a defining memory because i remember um no i remember exactly what it was well like, <laughs> this is so this is so fucking stupid um but when i was yeah when i was six there was a birthday party on the end of my road mm-hmm. and i just had enough and <laughs> I had enough, mm-hmm. and I was like, Do you know what? Like, I've, I've, you know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, lads. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go, and I, and I just left through the front door, and I didn't tell a grown up or anything. I just like walked home, mm-hmm. went home, and started uh, like watching TV or whatever. Well, surely it's the traditional way of leaving a party in Ireland. It's the yeah, the yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. You just walk home, <laughs> walk home, try not to get killed by fairies. Um, <laughs> And and for whatever happened, my 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 mom just freaked out. She must have been at the party as well. I don't know, but she totally freaked out because everyone was like, "Did I head count? Where the fuck is Caroline?" Yeah. And then after that, I just walked home, and she just ran home, and she was just red in the face. She was so angry at me. Mm-hmm. First of all, because it was like, um, you know, you could have been killed. You could have just been hit by a car or whatever. And I'm so relieved that you're not killed. But second of all, that it was so rude. Uh yeah. And then I remember the first confession was the week after that. And feeling still too bad about it. <laughs> just like, like, sorry, I have such a long story. <laughs> but it's like such a formative memory of like yeah. just feeling bad about things all the time and lying to cover your badness and then feeling worse about the lie. Yeah. Jesus, that's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> and she really gets to the heart of it. And she has a line about confession. Oh, what is that line again about? I confess my darkest deeds to an envious man. To an envious man. Yeah. Which is elegant. Yeah. It's a very elegant way of saying priests are creeps yeah <laughs> that whole verse fucking bangs like the, I convinced my doctor to see some envious man my brothers they never went blind for what they did but I may as well have and then in the name of the father the skeptic and the son I have one more stupid question oh, which is such a great so line good. yeah anyway I think it bangs what Anyways. do you think I feel like this is a real like peak Alanis vocal delivery song yeah. Yeah, totally. I just Alanis is sort of like quasi yodeling shouldn't work. And yeah, yet... it's a weird twang. And it, the thing is about it, so I listened to I listened to her earlier albums, which she does do that sort of thing, but it doesn't work quite as well because the point is it makes her sound emotionally raw and it, it feels like a vocal styling that was waiting for this album, you know? Yeah. Where it's like just she really the like tone of it. she like invented a f- kind of music to go around her voice. Yeah, which is kind of like I'm not a huge fan of the music, but I think she's a great writer. It's like Alain Del Rey, like she invented a, st- a sort of music that goes around her range. Yeah, yeah, she wanted to be sort of sleepy and low, and so she just writes songs that are sleepy. Yeah, and then she just made that th- a thing. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? Track eight or track um, seven? I don't have a lot to say about you, Lauren. I think it's good. I think it's fun. It's um. I like the line about I recommend biting off more than you can chew. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, I don't really have any any other. It's like yeah, about. it's one of the more easy listening songs. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's the vibes. Let's, let's travel right on to head over feet. 
Pedophilia, I think, is fascinating. Okay. So, I was listening to the episode you did about Taylor Swift. Sure. Recently, which is a all, <laughs> you mentioned briefly that like all of her early albums, all of the love songs are really histrionic because that's what you think love is like when you're a teenager. And then now she's thirty and she's yeah. written a nice cozy love song about being cozy in her house with her nice boyfriend. Yeah. And like. Alanis wrote that song at 19. This is what Head Over Feet is. This is about being in love with someone because he asks how your day was. <laughs> oh my God. She's already been through it she's so much. She's already been through it so much. She's already over like over dramatic relationships. Yeah. She's like, I've never felt this healthy before. I've never wanted something rational. And I'm aware now. Like, Aww. that takes most women well into their 20s to figure out. Like, I would say 30s almost. Yeah. For the majority of us. Yeah. yeah. When you're young, you think that true love is, like, exhausting and exasperating and, like, agony. And then when you're in your 30s, you're like... Yeah. True love is, like, being with someone who makes you so comfortable, you might as well be alone. But you're not lonely because there's another person there. And it's so much nicer because they're there. so much nicer! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had this conversation the other day. You've been with your partner for a very long time as well. I think we've probably been with our mutual boyfriends for, like, right, what was that time? Eight, nine years? I am... We will be ten years this year. Oh, mazel tov. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Oh, um, I know that! I got you together! <laughs> <laughs> you did! In a way. Oh, thank you, work and prowess. <laughs> All of my it, friendships are a decade old because that's when I got so brutally lonely in my new life in London that I started randomly meeting people from Twitter whenever I could. <laughs> one of those people. Was you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> but I remember having that fit that, that we had a conversation the other day of like, okay, if, if, if that if you and I were to break up, it would obviously be devastating and we'd have to have all these horrible t- conversations about who, who goes with the dog and who, who the dog goes with. Um, but like, imagine that first day where you're like, oh, I need to know something. And, and sort of the, the external hard drive for all your memories and thoughts and feelings is just not there and you're not allowed to talk to them again as long as you live. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Imagine seeing a weird meme and not being able to text it. No, it's, yeah. I'm not doing it. No, I don't not want to. Not doing it. Yeah. Um, Mary Jane... I remember seeing an interview with Alanis Morissette where she was like, I was way too innocent and Canadian to know that this was a, a marijuana reference. <laughs> I didn't learn that until I went on the tour with the boys. Yeah! <laughs> where there was footage of them using a pineapple as a bong. <laughs> Which is delightful. I love that. Yeah. Um, she says that she wrote this song to be a sort of, um, like a ballad to the extreme feminine about people who sort of give their everything and their empathy and their listening to other people Mm. and they are left with nothing. This beautiful line about, I don't love it as a song, but I love it as a poem almost. I think it's a really fun song to sing. Okay. Because it's got that super, like, sweeping, which is just really, really fun to belt out. I did think, like, um... That it feels like a song she wrote for herself about herself. Like, yeah. Like, as a warning to herself, kind of. Which I guess makes sense if that's what she was going for. Is like, this is the, this is the path that's easy for women to go down. Because yeah. we're expected to fill that role. It's a really complicated thing to write yeah. about at a really fucking young age. Like, it's a really big feeling of, yeah. like... I, I, I think I still... Are, are, women of our generation are still getting around the thing of, like... 
the, uh, the concept and the question of emotional labor. Like, what is being a good friend, a good partner, a good daughter, a good sibling? Mm-hmm. What is being taken advantage of? What is, like, just the thing... What is you just swallowing the pain of others? Yeah. And, like, I don't know the answer to those questions, but well, the fact that not, she was... There is no one simple answer. Like, no. you have to... You have to decide that for yourself in every relationship you have, not just romantic... Like, every relationship you have with any other person of what at what point is it too much yeah. to ask and I don't think it, nobody is born with that compass of no. what is yeah what, what, at what point do I now feel used yeah because once again most of us are born into some sort of like religious industrial complex where we feel like we should be of service yeah and we like and to complain about selflessness or complain about how much we're giving yeah is like a you know and it's also, path. you know, something that is set against a context of a, like, f- fucked up, late-stage capitalism, uncaring world where maybe you have a relationship, you know, with a, a parent or a friend or someone who who you, d- you don't really have everything to give that they're asking for, but you know that you're their only lifeline and, yeah. and there's nothing to catch them if not you. And what does that then do to you to know and how are you supposed to negotiate that in a way that's healthy for you? And can and is it possible? Like sometimes maybe that's not possible. Yeah, sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you do just like either cut off a bit of yourself or a bit of somebody else. Like yeah. it's it's complicated. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that was it a... is complicated. <laughs> it's a real two glasses of wine pronunciation. <laughs> There's this great line in it. It's about like something about losing your place in the queue or something. You lost your place in line again. What a pity. You lost your place in line. What a pity! I find that so evocative. Yeah, it's so simple, which is why yeah. I, say I I enjoy it more as like a poem than I do as a as a song or something. It's like this this notion of like sort of stepping out and stepping away, and then like oh things have sort of moved on and move up without you. And it just reminds yeah. me of so many people and women I've known who yeah. have stepped out of the queue to mind other people, and the queue does move up and move on. Yeah, and all you can do is bear witness. Yeah. And say, I saw that. It's, it is, it's really powerful. Not as powerful as track 10, though. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be a bummer about track 10. You talk about track 10, because I don't have anything to say about track 10. Okay. I just don't like it. All right. I just don't like ironic. I'm sorry, world. Wait a, I'm sorry. Where the shit on the vibe. <laughs> Wait a shit on what was previously a very cozy and no, intimate, very I'm fun sorry. and constructive vibe. It's my <laughs> Which wow. still like puts it above a lot of other I songs. still fucking love it. Yeah. And I here's what I thought you were gonna say, because we are so frequently on the same wavelength about these things. <laughs> I like the way you're looking at me with this <laughs> accusation in your eyes. What I thought you were gonna say is that the public uh sort of argument about the song ironic is the pop culture version of Rose and the Door. Oh yeah. The public culture argument is bullshit and I don't I don't like, care. Come on, come the fuck on, get over it. Irony is a very difficult concept to define. It also covers a lot of different scenarios. It's fine. She can call these things ironic. That's right. fine. Chill out about it. What is your favorite scenario? <laughs> is it is it when the guy gets on the plane? The plane says, is a lot. The plane what? is a lot. I think it's um Do you know what I like? And I don't know that I like this properly or I like it weirdly but I like it um, it's, meeting the, it's meeting the man of my dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife which then on the acoustic version of the album which came out 
not that long ago, I think, like, well, I mean, like, probably, like, 15 years ago, it's, she, she, she gender flips the wife, and it's, you meet his beautiful husband. Oh, spicy. Spicy Alanis. Spicy <laughs> early 2000s Alanis. Um, yeah, you're right, there's, like, there's not a lot of depth to it. No. It's just, like, a good time. I think the... The video, the music video, has that oddly emotional effect on me. Yeah, that's fair. Because I feel like it really establishes her as a Canadian artist. It's so Canadian. It's so this is the, Canadian. This is the one where she's like four different pe- versions of yeah, herself. Yeah, in, in, like in, a, in a big car, yeah. Driving through like a snowy forest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's her, I think it's the only one of her videos that I actually remember clearly. Me too. It yeah. feels very iconic to me. It's very VH1 middle of the day, yeah. I have tonsillitis kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's a great uh, music video actress. You know, she has a lot of range. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the following song is my favorite song. Oh, me too. Yes. <laughs> it's such an underrated banger. It is so good. Not the doctor. Fuck yeah. I mean, legitimately underrated, Gen Z. This is what we mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, and this is one of the ones that is like, oh yeah, she's talking about. She's talking about being an 18-year-old who adult yeah. men look to for support. And, like, what are you supposed to do about that? Oh, my God. So good. Can you imagine the amount of marriages she had to hear about? Oh, my God. At the age of, like, 17. The number of wives who just don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Fucking so hell. good. And it's so good. Like, I don't want to be your glass of single malt whiskey hidden in the bottom drawer. Like... So evocative. It's so good. <sighs> and I, I, I literally go pimples right now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this is the thing. Like, I don't want to be adored for what I merely represent to you. Like, I feel like all the women I know who had relationships with older men when they were teenagers didn't unpick them at this level until they were like 29. Yeah. <laughs> and she's already there as a 19 year old. Like, oh, this was not a relationship of equals. I just yeah. was a symbol of something that you felt like you needed. People take their whole lives to get there, man. Yeah. Their whole fucking lives. Um, I think it is also the biggest and best chorus on the record. Oh, it's a banger. Valley empty bottle with the holes along the bottom. It's so Too like... ask for an eye. Yeah, it's a banger. Jesus. It's like... As you know, I like to like name drop every now and then that I used to be in the band. But as somebody <laughs> who used to be a musician, I used to be in a band too. Did you? Yeah. You never name dropped that. Yeah. I mean, it was in high school. Still, I was. It was the coolest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I'm the coolest I've ever been right now, sweating into this office chair. <laughs> but like finding those sort of hooks that are also like complete sentences. Yeah. I find that to be so magical. The way it kind of runs into the next bar. I find that so cool. Yeah. I empty bottle with the holes along the bottom. Too much to... You know, that whole yeah. thing. It's so good. It's so and, good. And the whole image of like pouring water again and again into this bottle that has holes in it. So it's just never going to be full. I find that so good. It's so good. It's so good. And it's a weird image. Like, it's not like a thing. It's not like a simile or something that we're used to hearing about, but yeah, it's really instant. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a fucking strong metaphor. She's a good writer. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. My God. Someone give a last person a break. <laughs> 
I would say give her a Grammy, but I think she won like five for this album. So. Yeah, she could not possibly be more awarded for this album. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be the food or the light from the fridge on your face at midnight. Hey, what are you hungry for? Like, fuck, fuck me! Fuck Alonis! Fuck me up! Say it again. <laughs> I don't want to be your food or the light from the fridge on your face at midnight. Hey, what are you hungry for? Fuck. <sighs> People compare her to Taylor Swift a lot, but this is the superior usage of fridge lighting, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, I I love Taylor Swift, and I think Same. she is... I, I, I think her most recent album, Folklore, had her best song so far, which is Tis the Damn Season, which I think yes, is yes. an incredible okay. piece of work. All right, let's just pause the Lance Morissette podcast for now and just say, when I had that Taylor Swift episode come out, you tweeted me very angrily to say, Tis the Damn Season is the best song, so I want you to finally have your moment Okay, now. okay. Talk Tis about the, why it's the best song. Tis the Damn Season is the best song Taylor Swift has written so far because it is so specific and so clear about such a complex emotional state in such a defined physical situation in so few words like what she communicates in that song is massive and it's so precisely done which is if you don't know it it's a song about being at home for Christmas and at that point of like existential crisis where you're worrying that no one really knows who you are and out of that feeling trying to start something self-destructive with the ex you left behind to move away from home oh yeah and it fucking rips it's a it's just a straight banger and then it has this emotional heft to it and this lyrical clarity which is fucking impressive and i love it a lot not the doctor is that is like Alana did this at 19 and it has taken Taylor Swift until she's in her 30s. And I honestly think Taylor Swift is an incredible songwriter. And oh, yeah, like, yeah. A wonderful, wonderful thing. But like, Alanis was 19. She was 19. As established, she is the Barack Obama of songwriting. She's the Barack Obama of songwriting. She's a very specific person put in a very general situation. <laughs> That's my read on those two. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what does Wake Up go like again? You like snow, but only if oh, it's yeah. warm. Oh, yeah, it's very goth. It's very, yeah. very 90s. It's very 90s. It's also just, I think, I mean, it's got some great lines. No fundamental excuse for the granted I'm taken for. Like, Ugh. and what goes around never comes around to you. Like, uh, yes. Just keep saying things and yeah. I'll go make sounds at them. There's an obvious attraction to the path of least resistance in your life. It's just about men never taking responsibility for anything. And fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah. Because it's easier not to. So much easier not to. Oh. Good times. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, and then I think we have the secret song, right? Yeah, well, because You Ought to Know plays again. Yes. And then we have this little throwback to the CD era, because this only ever happens with CDs. Mm -hmm. And now we've lost it. We had it for a moment, but you can't do it with streaming services. Explain to the Zillennials what a secret song was. So this was the first one I'd ever come across and the first time mm. it played, it blew mine and my sister's minds. We were like, what is happening? I know, yeah, it fucking blew my mind too. Because what they did was, because previously there have been vinyl and cassettes where space is at a premium 
Like you mm-hmm. use up, you have just have a strip of physical media and it can't fit much on it, so you use it all. CDs, digital, a lot more space on them. So what they did, and I don't, I don't know what was the first example of this, but this was the first one I had. So they have mm-hmm. the last track, which was You Ought to Know again. It was another mix of You Ought to Know. And then it just kept playing for like several minutes mm-hmm. after the end of the song. And then eventually, and on the, on Spotify, it's not that long, but on the disc, it was forever. It, it was, was like forever. seven minutes or something. Ugh. And then another song plays. And it's on the same like track on the disc as the song before it. So you can't skip to it. You can't get to yeah. it any you other way. You have to earn it. You have to earn it. You have to let it run. And then it comes in with this beautiful, completely acapella song, um, Your House, which is like, yeah, the, like spooky. So spooky. But yeah, so that's what a hidden track is. It's like. There's yeah. seven minutes of silence and then there's another song. I remember it so fucking clearly hearing it for the first time. Yeah. Just like in my bedroom, the the hi-fi that I'd like stolen from somewhere else in the house on and just like, oh yeah, it stopped and I'm just going to continue reading on my bed. Because remember when you would just like sit in your room and listen yeah. to music and do nothing else? Yeah. And then it coming on and it feeling like there was a poltergeist in the house. Yeah. It was we, mad. We didn't have our own CD players at this point, so it was on the CD player in the living room. And then I think we'd like left the room and yeah. we heard it playing. We're like, what's going on? It did feel like a ghost. Yeah. Especially so because nuts. it's a cappella. It's just like this haunting yes. vocal that just seeps through. The other example of it is um, that I was genuinely surprised by is the first time I listened to Laura Marling's Alas I Cannot Swim album. Oh yeah, there's Remember a that? boy across the river, but alas I cannot swim. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But even that had some signifier because it had like yeah. bird song in between it. But this was a genuine surprise. This was just surprise. nothing, it was just silence. You just had to let it play. And if like you thought you got to the end of the album and switched off your CD player, you would never know that it was there. But it's such an artistic choice because it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, so it's, Several minutes of silence, and then, as you said, a cappella, so it sounds spooky and weird. I'm like, there's a ghost in your house, or like a person in your house in the other room. Yeah. So by now, you've fucking left, and you've gone to get a sandwich, <laughs> yeah. and then you can hear a person in the other room, yeah. and just talking about how she's gone into someone's house, mm-hmm. and it's like just doing, like, hanging out with their stuff. And, and is wearing his clothes and, yeah. and dancing in the shower. It's so smart, creating, like, a, like basically a 4D experience, right? Yeah. Because the majority of how people listen to music at that time is they have it on their homes and they leave the room. Yeah. And then she's, it's called your house and she's in your house. Yeah. And I think at this point, like, I don't know, we were a family that didn't have very money, very much money. So I don't know if we were typical of everyone who would have bought the CD, but like, I don't, like, I feel, I feel, I feel like at this point in time, having multiple CD players in one house would have been a luxury situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like you have for sure, yeah. You've got the big family sound system, and it's, yeah, yeah. that's where the CDs are played, and that's it. And then eventually, ten years in, that gets upgraded at some yeah. point, and then that one goes, the old one goes somewhere else in the house. Well, I think a few years later, you could get like little, 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 little cheaper boxes, ones, little yeah. boom boxes, and like discmans definitely came along. But I just, it, it feels, and I don't know, I don't know if I'm remembering this clearly, and it is obviously, my family may not have been typical, but like. For me, it was definitely, this is where the music is played in the living room. Yeah. And she's in there. And she's in there. In your house. In your house. Dancing in your shower. I can't believe how clever it is. <sighs> it's so good. And it, this also, I think, at the time, I didn't appreciate how young it feels. Like, this experience. The, what she talks about in this song feels like a very young, broken-hearted thing to do. To go to your ex's house when he's not home. Yeah. 
and you're not allowed to be there. Because it, it, it does feel so suburban, doesn't it? Really feels suburban. It yeah. feels like she came here there from her parents' house. Yes, and it's like, you know, when everyone leaves their screen door open, so and yeah. like his, his parents are on holiday or whatever and just going well, in. Well, no, because it feels like she's gone from her parents' house to an adult man's house. Oh, right. Oh, okay. And that might be projection on my my part because I know now that, you know. Yeah, yeah, of the kind of life she was living. But yeah, she's got, because he has cologne, like he doesn't have Axe oh, body right. spray. He has cologne and he listens to Joni, like he's taught her about Joni Mitchell because he's an old man who knows about old music. Oh God, I hate them. Yeah. I was okay. I was having this conversation the other day with Gab. Um, if you were to have a teenage daughter mm-hmm. of the world, the thing about having a teenage daughter is something is going to fuck them up. Yeah. Right? Would you rather her have this experience of like going out with a contemporary and having one of those horrible slut shamey experiences whereby like her phone number is written on toilet doors and like boys are being horrible about her or a privately horrible experience with a much older man that will haunt her for the rest of her life. I'm, is there any good option? Is there any good way to be a teenage girl and to be sexual? I mean, I, fe- I do feel like I won the teenage girl lottery and then I was uh, not interested in dating. You were clever. You kept it to yourself. All boys were stupid. And uh, I yeah. think I just lucked out in that I was both deeply romantic and incredibly cynical. So I wanted mm. big love and I could recognize that none of the boys that I knew were going to give that to me. And until yeah. I got, like, I think I just got lucky. I think the only, like... I don't, I don't have kids, I don't intend to have kids, but I have nieces and nephews, and I think, when I think about what might happen when they're older, and, like, if they come over to visit Auntie Janina, and when they're, like, 13, and mm-hmm. she's going on at home, I think the best you can do is make sure that they have someone to talk to, and yeah. if that's not you as a parent, that there is someone that you trust, mm. that they trust. I, I'm very lucky in that I have an incredible mother who I think she just even when we were rebellious when we didn't want to talk to her she she was very good at being like i am just here i'm just always here and i always and i don't know how she learned how to do that yeah her parents sucked <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like i think that's i think that's the best thing you can do 14 girls man 14 girls how do we survive I, how did we get through it i don't know I don't know. Yeah. I got too many stories that aren't as good as Lass's but are similar enough for them to be depressing. Yeah. Um, all right. That's the end of the album. What a great evening we've had. (laughs) (laughs) We've been up, we've been down. It's been good. I liked it. You liked it. (laughs) What a good album. Oh, it's probably one of the best of all time, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, very much. I can't believe, like, you've done the sentimental garbage version of winning, like, a gold medal two years in a row. Two, two Olympics in a row. It's because I keep coming to you and saying, please let me talk about this objectively brilliant Objectively thing. brilliant things that everyone loves. But I think <laughs> I, I really think you've played blinder again. I think Thanks. this, this Thanks. is a really good one. Okay, Janina. You've got some podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've got some podcasts. You can listen to them. They are History of Sexy, which is a non-fiction history podcast that I do with Dr. Emma Southern, who was just on. Yes, talking um, about costume dramas. Talking about costume dramas. Very what fucking a, smart lady. What a babe. What an icon. Um, and I have a fiction podcast called Within the Wires, which is about to start its seventh season. We're writing its seventh season right now, and it will be out, I think, in October. I think that's the plan. Probably. Nice. Sounds right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can listen to them. 
This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. The podcast was produced and edited by me, with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com